Welcome to the Doghouse. I'm Diana. And I'm David. It's Riverdale, Season 6, Episode 18, Chapter 113, Biblical. As the gang plan an event celebrating two of their own, strange biblical plagues around town threaten to put a damper on the special day. Hey, everybody! <laughs> yeah, so it's been a minute. Um, Sorry about that. We went on vacation and then we both got COVID. Yeah. After two and a half years, it finally got us. So, uh, yeah, so we're a bit behind. Um, so as of the recording of this episode, I have only seen episode 18 and 19. And I have seen the rest of the season. Yeah, so that's, no. that's, that's, that's our reference. Just be open and honest about how much we know. Um, I don't live in a hole, so I am aware of a few things, but yeah. Uh, so that's where we're going to start off this giant shit show. I promise not to connect too many dots here. Like I'm going to I'm going to hold it. But I, overall, first of all, I don't quite know how to feel yet, but I'll tell you later. <laughs> but for this episode in particular, uh, this isn't as b- I, I, another fresh watch on this one made me go, OK, this wasn't as bad as I thought it was initially. It's it's not awful. It's just a lot of exposition. Well, again, we could have been leading up to this the whole fucking time. This could have been <sighs> the centerpiece of what Percival was doing this whole time, right? Yeah, but at the same point, it's like this could have been like a season finale and it's not. Well, no, because we thought it might be a season finale. We did, but there's four more. And for a hot second, it, that's what it sounded like they were doing. And then mm-hmm. they decided to go the full 22. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand it. It doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> so we start off with Jughead narrating that there are a bunch of plagues have hit the town. We are at the school. We see Weatherby. We haven't seen him in a minute. There's frogs in the trophy case. Uh, Betty looks out the window and there are flies swarming. The Blossom twins uh, get sent home for having lice in their hair, so they're getting shampooed. Man, that life sucks. No, man. Poor Dagwood and Juniper. And uh, we settle with uh, Veronica and Tony uh, drinking in Veronica's office. And Tony's there to ask Veronica to be her miracle worker, to plan her wedding. And Veronica's both a little shocked that this is like actually happening, but also a little offended. Yeah, well, I don't I don't consider offended, just bummed. <laughs> it's just like this is not what I want to be doing. And I don't want to be thought of as the person who does this. Right. I, I think the the offense part of it is just like that's eh, a little much for her because she genuinely cares about her friends. Fair. It's just like, ugh, I'm it's it's that whole like I'm better than that. Yeah. And and to be fair, she kinda is. But she's not. She is not. Yeah, well. She is yeah. living in a town that, I mean, by Veronica Sanders is beneath her. And she's been saying that constantly since basically she showed up in Riverdale six seasons ago. Yeah. I mean, it's just the facts. And she's still there and she's not happy. So why is she still there? Questions she will be asking herself this episode. She's like, fine, I'd be honored to plan your party, which is definitely a subtle dig at the whole, like, it's a wedding, but it's also a party. We go to Andrew's house, and Fangs has asked Archie to be a groomsman 
And he's just like, so long as I don't have to get a speech or plan a bachelor party, you know, he's in and he's talking to Betty and he's like, you know, I understand if you want to take a pass. And she's like, no, I'm really happy for them. And I'd love to get dressed up and do something fun after SlaughterCon. And Archie's like, yeah, this will be good for everyone. And we need something to celebrate. Yeah. Cool. Uh, we go down to the bunker and Jughead's typing away. Tabitha's there. She started reading one of his stories. Uh, and Jughead's talked about how, like, he started leaning into the voices. And that's where he's just getting this drive. Tabitha jokes that she's going to have nightmares about La Llorona now. La Llorona. Um, and she asks him about, like, hey, now that you're feeling a little bit better, do you want to go to the wedding? And he's like, I don't think I'm ready. And he's like, but I don't want you to go dateless. She's like, nope. Don't worry about it. I just want you to be okay. And he's like, I think I'm finally recovering. That's all that matters. Very sweet. Mm -hmm. Sure. Sure you are, Jughead. We go over to Percy. He's in his shop doing some spell. And Kevin is, you know, peeping through a window. Well, no, he's peeping through some hole in the wall watching him as uh, he's doing some sort of spell. The fact that he's outside peeking in on Percival. I mean, he's Kevin. Whatever. We go back to Veronica's office and Tabitha's there now. And Veronica reveals that she just feels really lame. You know, she's like, I was the she-wolf of Wall Street and now I'm a glorified party planner. I've got no social life, no lover, nothing. How did this happen? And Tabitha sympathizes. She's like, okay, according to my five-year plan, I should have franchised Pops and taken it national by now. But you're more than a party planner. And we all know when you set your mind to something, there's nothing you can't do. So they're like, okay. And Veronica says, I miss sharing my heart with someone. My love. What the fuck ever? (laughs) What the fuck ever? You miss bossing someone around. And sex. She misses Mm -hmm. sex. Which, fair. But, like, she treats her boyfriends like they work for her, essentially. It just... There's no honesty in the writing of Veronica's character, and that's what we need. We need her to be like, you know what? I don't really need a boyfriend, but I need a guy. <laughs> Just be like, she needs she needs arm candy, and she needs to have some sex, and... Like, it would be so refreshing if they were just honest about she just wants to use some guys. I wish they had made it so that she was actually dating and she was actively dating and maybe she's having casual sex. But her issue is like, it feels really empty. There you go. Like, then she's not she's like, she's trying and she's getting something that she wants out of it. But at the end of the day, it's not fulfilling. And that's okay. Like that would be less of a sad, pathetic girl trope that this is she this is who she is this whole episode. How is this not a perfect moment for a dating ad tie-in? Totally. Come on, guys. Come on, bumble. Let's bumble it up. So then we get a buzz over the intercom, and apparently there's a problem with the plumbing. And then we start seeing everybody see their water turn red. Archie's trying to wash dishes. Fangs asks Tony, is that rust? Uh, something's messed up. And then we see Kevin shows up at the Tang's apartment and he says that he's dropping the case. He doesn't want to cause any more stress for baby Anthony or them. And he tells Fangs that he's his real father, not him. And I just, please forgive me. Redemption complete. It's not complete. No, it's not. But that's how the writers treat it. No, I feel like they've taken it this far. They should have gone to court. We should have gone to court and as 
Kevin keeps like hearing people say, like he's the good father. He's going to be he's a better role model. And then just Kevin just coming to face like the bad decisions he's been making. It's like I am not suitable to be a parent right now. And I'm also not his biological father. I mean, yes, but this show has so much other ground to cover that like when would they ever have time to do that with him? Well, Kevin is always an afterthought. Kevin is going to die. Does Kevin die? I'm not telling you anything. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Percy calls Archie to call off the strike. And Archie's just like, no, fuck, go fuck yourself. <laughs> and so Percy's like, you might want to turn on the news. And it's Alice reporting the Blood Red River. whoop de fucking do It's an apocalyptic event. Uh, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Look, we know where this is headed. It's biblical plagues. Yeah, like it's real. <laughs> no shit. Like the second frogs show up in the trophy case at, at Riverdale High, we should have known. We we were already there. Uh huh. Like yeah, it's real dumb. It's not subtle. Not subtle in any way, shape, or form. We go to pops. They're talking about what we should do. Cheryl says, "Let's just kill him," and they all look at her like she's crazy. She goes, "We've all thought about it." <laughs> I'm really like Cheryl in this moment. She's she's amazing. Okay, fine. But like we need to do it so that, you know, we don't mess up the wedding. And the wedding is good because it'll remind Riverdale what everyone's fighting for. And they're all like, yay, blah, blah, blah. And so we go down to the bunker and Jughead's sleeping. And we hear this water sloshing like it's moving. And then we see La Yorona emerge from the tunnel within the bunker. So that goes to the, the ladder. And she sees the typewriter where, where he's been writing the story. And Ooh. then it, the, the, the footsteps get louder and louder. And Riverdale. It's later. We're in the bunker. And Jughead is pacing. He had really vivid nightmares. And now the story he wrote about La Llorona is gone. And so he's like... Did someone have snuck into the bunker and stolen it? And then we hear like whispers. No, creepy. We can't tell what they're saying, but we just hear like. Of course we do. Yeah. We go over to Pops and we say hi to Daniel Garcia, our friend from college. How's it going, bud? Yeah, that's great. They want to stop the strike. They've heard that Percival might be open to renegotiating the contracts. Archie's like, no, no, we can't back down. Uh, we got to think long term. We've got momentum. And Percival's a snake. So, like, we just, we need to hang on a little bit longer. Can you do that? And they all look a little bit concerned. But they're like, yeah, I'm just right. <laughs> we go over to the FBI office and Betty needs holy books. She needs religious texts. And uh, Agent Lynn is like, I didn't realize you were religious. I'm not. But it's research. For case. For case. I, is there not a Bible, like just somewhere in Riverdale? No. No? None? Because no. Let, let's be very clear. The plagues they are talking about here, this is not something that's like deep in esoteric Christian lore. This is like one of the big stories. Yeah. A a anybody <laughs> who's, you know, been around for a minute has heard something about plagues, especially the last two years. Just, I, <laughs> they make this so overcomplicated. <laughs> It doesn't have to be this this over the top, guys. Uh, we go back to the casino and Veronica and Tabitha are really badly folding napkins for this wedding party. <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is so badly done. 
they might as well have had them trying to like knit on screen. It's bad. <laughs> and Veronica is just questioning herself. Like, why am I here? There's a sort of Damocles over all of us. Like we're fighting so many bad, like it's just stupid. And she's like, you know, Tabitha, you're fighting for Jughead and your family business. And Betty and Archie are fighting for each other. And Tony and Banks are fighting for Anthony. And what am I fighting for? And Tabitha is just being really amazing and reassuring. It's like, there's something. There's a reason you stayed in Riverdale. Yeah. You keep murdering the men in your life. (laughs) We go over to Thornhill. And Tony has called Cheryl. And Cheryl's relaying this to Heather. That Tony want Cheryl to officiate their wedding, which is so beyond fucking dumb. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but I don't think anybody wants someone that you have slept with to officiate your wedding to someone else. Nope. Like, y'all are cool. Come to the wedding. Great. That's lovely. But officiate your wedding? No. Why? I think it's in poor taste. <laughs> and this is Riverdale, so that's appropriate, apparently. Hold on. Poor, poor taste is the understatement of the century. Like She might as well have had Percival do it, for fuck's pretty sake. Pretty much. Like, I keep thinking, like, who should it have been? And I'm like, the only person that makes sense, because we've killed Sweet Pea, and we didn't kill him, we sent him off to follow Josie, is like Jughead or F.P., Yes. Like, this would have been a great reason to try and get FP to come back for just, like, a quick cameo. Like, another serpent should have been doing this. So, Jughead or FP? And then, like, that would have been the reason Jughead finally comes out of the bunker. Because he he's his dad can't make it. Whatever. No, it has to be Cheryl. But it has to be Cheryl because we just have to queer bait the Choney fans. Mm-hmm. But for Tony's wedding gift, Cheryl's going to kill Percival. so percy is hanging out in his office in his shop and he's got this spread of like food and then he takes this one piece of rotten food and puts it with the rest of the food and he does some incantation and quick cut to the casino oh my god what's wrong and all the food like there's tons of like buffet trays filled with food that is completely rotten there's bugs flying around Veronica's like 10 minutes ago the spread was to die for and now we've got rotting meat and spoiled food and they're like oh this is Percival I can't believe he did this we're gonna have to cancel and Veronica's like no don't call Veronica Lodge a miracle worker for nothing because <laughs> they're, they're not they're not gonna cancel it's too important it's too important so we go down to the bunker again and Jack hits typing and he smells a burger it's like it can't be <gasps> And then he sees it. It's like at the at the edge of the tunnel is a burger. It's a Pops cheeseburger. This is weird. I mean, I shouldn't touch it. And then he touches it. And I definitely shouldn't eat it. And then he starts sniffing it. And he takes a bite of the burger. So, yeah. And this, the, the thing I really love about this is this reminds me of Jughead the Hunger. <laughs> that comic, it really had those vibes. And that brought me a lot of joy. <laughs> this is This is actual classic Jughead. Yeah, that's, that's definitely like the only thing he's in love with is a cheeseburger. I'm into it. I mean, it. this is bad for me, but it's a burger. <laughs> this is my favorite thing in the world is a cheeseburger. And it's from Pops. Yeah. It's my favorite cheeseburger in the world. Yep. We go to Thornhill and we start a ritual. And with this ritual, Cheryl makes Percy feel hot. 
he starts burning and he figures out what's happening so he goes and he sits in an old-timey wheelchair does an incantation and heather and cheryl like their their candles go out and they're like is that is that it and then all of a sudden nana's screaming and she's on fire and then cheryl screams if there's one thing madeline pench is good at it is screaming my god that girl should be in all the horror films all of them she she truly is a scream queen just waiting to happen so then we go to pops because this is where we're gonna have the rehearsal dinner and cheryl isn't there we see the seat card there and she's not there and this is beyond cringy and that is the point this whole this that's the point of veronica singing the ladies who lunch oh my god i will say this camilla should only sing broadway type songs she is great at this this is the, the presentational is always when her voice sounds the best. She does a fabulous job in this scene. The scene, the, the point being Veronica has come unhinged and everyone around her is like, oh, no. Like at first it's like, OK, Veronica's doing a show because that's what Veronica does. Oh, no. Oh, no. This is taking a turn. Oh, no. Yeah. But Tony should be more pissed off and there should be more of an actual reaction to it. Instead, they're all like, well, we love our friend. It's fine. Look at what our friend's doing. It's so nice because she's a miracle worker. I'm I'm fine with there not being a bigger reaction from other people because like the people who noticed the most were Archie and Betty, as they should be. I kind of wish we got a little bit more reaction from Tabitha being like, what are you doing? <laughs> so after all this, B comes over to pretty much pity Veronica. You know, she's like, oh, that was quite a performance. Doesn't compliment her. And Veronica's just like, thanks to the company at Barnard. I'm waiting <laughs> for the perfect moment to deploy a little Sondheim. Boo! Fuck off. Sondheim is the best and you wasted it. They literally waited until this moment. Just this moment. We are six fucking seasons in. And they decided to drop this. Yeah, y'all did American Psychos. Instead of, you could have done company. You could have done company and it would have been cool. Probably couldn't afford it. Fuck off. Anyways, <laughs> Veronica's going stag to the wedding and Betty's like, well, do you want to come with me and Archie? It's a very sweet offer. It's pathetic because this is fucking stupid. Well, yes. But then Veronica pulls out, oh, like when the three of us went to the back to school dance together sophomore year. That was iconic. <laughs> Which is just like, ooh, you're being really fucking cheeky. And she's just like, I don't want to do that to y'all. I'm moved by the gesture, but thanks for reminding me of what I'm fighting for in this wicked little town, which wasn't, um, I, I'm so glad at that reference, wicked little town, which is from when they did the Hedwig musical, which is when Archie and Betty kissed. Uh, it's, yeah. it's good. It's good. It's a deep cut. I like it. Can I reveal to you now that you are, you are finding way more than they ever put into this? Oh, yeah, I am. Like someone, someone sprinkled something in here, and I'm just like, yes, I am picking up these details because I have been paying attention for six fucking years. I am trying to squeeze every last drop of goodness out of this show that I possibly can. Well, the best news I can give you is they will never pick it up again. So, yay! No. So, B&B forever. I do like that. That's cute. Which is sweet. And then Archie's like, guys, we got a crazy text from Cheryl. Cut to Thornhill. Nana Rose was engulfed in flames. Yeah. Tried to burn Percival. Nana Rose caught on fire instead. 
blah, 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 blah. He's doing plagues. We figured it out. Oh, my God. You know, what do we do? Like, okay, so maybe I can, you know, build his railway, but slowly to give us enough time to find a more permanent solution. And, you know, maybe Kevin could help because he's moving out of the Babylonium and he dropped the custody case. So maybe he can help us. So, yeah. Betty's like, I'll go talk to him. So, like... They got a small plan. <laughs> they have a, a plot. Yeah. So we go to the bunker and Jughead is typing and then his stomach is just giving him a hard time. He goes to puke and then he lays down to sleep. And it's like, I definitely should have eaten that bread of food. Nope. 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 Never eat a mystery burger. Uh, we go over to Betty. who's chatting with Kevin and was like, no, I, I, I want to hear... He said something. He had he had something to offer me. He told me what I wanted to hear. And I listened and I went along like a fool. And Betty tries to reassure him, like, you're not the only one. And it's not too late for you to stop. Okay. Like, what can you tell us? Kevin's like, he's some sort of magic man. I've seen him performing spells. Um, and he has this little black book of secrets that he's always writing in. And Betty's like, I hate to ask. And Kevin's like, you want me to try to steal it, don't you? And she goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, is very classic. Betty and Kevin mess mess around. Of course. I appreciate Kevin's fuck it all mode at this point of like, and you want me to go steal it, don't you? All right. Yeah. <sighs> Kevin is now officially just the errand boy. I'm gonna die. Uh, or is he? You're such a dick. I can just Google it. <laughs> uh, uh, we go back to Pops and Archie's there. He meets up with the other crew. They're getting ready to go play some basketball. And Archie's like, hey, with your permission, I'd like to meet up with Percival and negotiate the best possible terms. And they're like, no, we're going to do what she said. You know, we got to hold out for what's right. So don't waver. And Archie's like, do you all feel this way? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, okay, screw it. We'll stand together. So they go off to play basketball. And Betty has a very large list of plagues on her murder board, conspiracy board, whatever. FBI official board of stuff and Percy is in his shop and he's got some water boiling and he's got some toy soldiers and he starts dropping them in the water and the guys are playing basketball and all of a sudden they've got the boils what shock Archie goes straight to Percival he's like okay I'll I'll get the crew back to work just take away the boils and Percy's like no you have to work first, and then I'll take them away. Or she's like, fine. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll do it. So then we go down to the bunker, and Cheryl is there. and But it's Cheryl from Rivervale in her full regalia. And she's like, oh, sweet Forsyth. And he's like, Cheryl, what ails you? I don't know. <laughs> and she's like, mayhap, I can relieve you. And she goes to stab him, and he wakes up. But when he wakes up, he sees the knife she had in her hand stuck into the table where his story was, but is now missing. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, I do like this. And also, like, was Cole in quarantine or something? Because seriously, he hasn't been around anybody in forever. It's very funny to me. Kevin's at the shop. He tells Percy that he's looking for a book. And he just plays, like, the sad, lonely guy. I'm feeling adrift again. Man, it just made me feel lonely, unwanted. And he's like, oh, Kevin, you and your self-esteem. Well, I've got something that will distract you. If not, cheer you up. Come help me unpack some of my glorious new treasures that I've 
acquired. Kevin takes a very deep breath that that paid off and he's not dead. <laughs> yeah, because Kevin was searching for the journal. So Betty's back in the office and she is reading books and she is reading about the whore of Babylon. The harlot of Babylon. And then she remembers TBK calling her essentially the whore of Babylon. Mm-hmm. Cool. Creepy. Nice. So Beefcake Archie toiling away at the railway. Veronica's trying to figure out a wedding date. And then Tony and Fangs are working on their wedding vows. And then darkness falls in the middle of the day. Another plague. Yep. Uh, we're at the FBI office and Kevin calls Betty to be like, yo, Percy has a ton of weapons from like long ago. Also a stockade. And she's like, wait, what? And he goes, yeah, it's a torture device. He kept rambling about how he wants to put the harlot of Babylon exactly where she belongs on display for when the walls come tumbling down. Uh-oh. And so Betty's like, well, fuck that. So she decides she's going to confront him. She goes straight to his shop and she's like, okay, put me in the stockades if that'll stop it. And he's just like, oh, Mr. Keller betrayed me. Big whoop. I love the fact that, that she just walks in there and he's like, why would I want to do that? Mm-hmm. He really loves just playing them until they actually reveal their hand. Oh, totally. He's very good at, <laughs> I will say nothing. And let y'all just overreact. It's classic comic book behavior. I'm into it. Mm-hmm. It's probably one of the, I mean, I hate to give him credit for this, but the way Percival behaves, the way they've written him is definitely more of a comic book villain than probably any of our other villains. Oh, for sure. He says, you know, I don't want you. Well, not only you. And Betty's like, what? He's like, I that would have been rather obvious. Cut to Thornhill. Every like everybody's there, and Tony goes, "He wants baby Anthony over my dead body." <laughs> she tries to lay a hand on that baby. I'm gonna rip his larynx out. Yeah, thank you. Where's this Tony been? Yeah, I like how Cheryl just knows everything, and whatever Cheryl doesn't know, Heather's there to be like, "Yes, that is factual." Uh huh. Cheryl's like, "That this is what it sounds like." Heather's like, "Yeah, unfortunately, guys." <laughs> So uh, Heather gets the big book of witchy stuff, and it's the stockade of Legarius. It's practically inescapable. It renders its prisoners powerless. And so they decide that they're going to get Percival into the stockade. Mm-hmm. While delivering baby Anthony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they're going to fake him out. Cool. Whatever. We go back to the bunker, and Jughead is yelling at the tunnel. <laughs> who are you what are you what do you want from me why are you stealing my work what no answer and then we hear something clattering and it's a bottle that rolls out and jughead sees this and he's like what no answer and that's when the bottle comes out and he flashes to rivervale and we see him talking to tabitha about that room with the messages in a bottle and he opens up the message that's in the bottle that rolled into the bunker and it says Keep writing. Ooh. It's cool. I like what's happening with Jughead. It's fun. Sure. Sure. It's fun. I'm into it. We cut to Betty shows up to Percy's shop with the baby. She's got baby Anthony. And it's like, okay. She hands over the baby. And then he looks at it and goes, you're a fool. Coming all here alone with your dime store trickery. And Betty's like, yeah, except I'm not alone. Guys. Exhale. <laughs> and so we see the the um 
cloak of invisibility, if you will, spell being unleashed by Cheryl and Heather and Tabitha, like basically all of them. They've all entered into And they all have guns. Well, yeah, they've all got guns. Cheryl gets right in his face and, you know, goes poof, nighty night, Percy. And she blows stuff into his face, I guess, some sort of sleeping powder or whatnot, after Kevin has said, you're under arrest. So that's that's how they've got him. And so then with him captured, the sun comes out. And so then we see Archie as he's hammering spikes, you know, the sun, you know, comes back. And then we see that Percy is in the stockades in the vault of Veronica's casino. There you go. And so she's like, yeah, this is the most secure room in this building. If you excuse me, I don't want to be late for the event of the season. And she closes the door. So we go over to the tank's apartment and Kevin's there and they want to invite Kevin to the wedding. Um, just because, you know, after releasing custody of baby Anthony and helping us with Percival, talked it over. We want you to come. He says, I can I can Moose come? And they're both like, yeah. And he's so happy. It's very sweet. And so then we go have a serpent wedding at the White Worm. With serpents kissing on the cake. Which is very cute. And I do I do like that Cheryl is wearing her red serpent jacket to officiate. Like, that's sweet. And they do actually get married. Yay. Yep. They do their vows. Blah, blah, blah. And so, like, as that's happening, we cut down to Percy. And he's got... I, are these grasshoppers? Like, what uh, are insects? Grasshoppers, locusts, they're a plague of insects just about to roam the land. They're plague insects. And Percy is kind of singing Ride of the Valkyries, which is great. <laughs> he goes, oh, good, you found me. Now, where are the others? And they start showing up. Well, now it's a party. And so we go back up to the wedding and Fangs and Tony kiss. And then Kevin starts singing, which is also gross. Um, but he's singing It's Your Wedding Day from the Wedding Singer musical. and. Moose is his keyboardist. I did like that. And the main worker dude is the guitarist for the wedding band. Apparently. I don't know. Probably the cutest thing out of all of this whole dumb dance sequence is that Britta has a date. Britta is there. She's happy and she she has a date and they're having fun. It's a little too choreographed, but whatever. Hey, hey, I was just like, oh, Britta has a date. That's adorable. It's very sweet. I'm fine with that. Anyway, the bugs are going to go chompy chompy on the stockade. Yeah, Percy tells the, the insects to make quick work of this wormwood. It's not my first stockade and I can't abide it. <laughs> and then, you know, he gets out, um, you know, more singing, dancing, and he walks out of the vault. Right, row. So then we cut to Thornhill. Percy finds Nana Rose. She's in all these bandages and he pulls her oxygen tank and covers her mouth and nose. And then he starts doing an incantation. But we know what this one is. You're the oldest living firstborn child in Riverdale. And so will be my harbinger for my last plague. And so as he's doing this, this red smoke comes out of her body. This is the most intense the show has ever gotten with a death scene. Like I was like, holy shit, guys. That was pretty cool. We go back to the wedding and people are dancing. And Veronica's looking very pathetic watching Archie and Betty. Of course she is. See, she's Tabitha and she's like, You've seen the future, or me, who's endgame? And Tabitha is like, I'll tell you, but it has to stay between us. The truth is, and then it's, oh my God, Arch, oh my God. Everyone starts getting sick. All the firstborns basically collapse. Whole bunch of people die. And they're all, everyone's freaking out, like, what is happening? 
And then we cut over to the bunker and Jughead wakes up. And when he turns around, there's another Jughead. And Jughead, our Jughead, who had just woken up, he starts not being able to breathe. He's dying. He's dying because of this plague. Yes. Which, okay, I'm not going to lie. I really wish for this double Jughead thing, they had Dylan Sprouse there. Just because everybody knows about it. We've joked about it forever, about having Soupead there. And it would have been so funny because it's a very unusual situation to have an actor who has an identical twin in their life. It's it's very rare and very <sighs> weird. It would have been so fucking funny if yeah. we had had the other the other Sprouse just for this one moment would have been really fucking funny to me. I hope it happens before the show's over. I know Dylan has to be willing to do it, but it would be funny. It would bring us all joy. But they're not gonna. I'd also like to say that as of the recording of this, Dylan and Cole Sprouse are officially 30 years old. <laughs> so anyway, everybody's dead. Everybody's dead. We go back to the white worm and Betty and Veronica are, are talking about it. And like, I like that we have to affirm everybody's birth order. So like, yeah, it's the last plague, death of the firstborn. But what's weird here is baby Anthony is okay. They're like, yeah, he's special. Who's, wh- why is Kevin still alive? Who knows? Okay, I have a theory about this. You know, you've talked about like angels, like guardians. I feel like the only reason Kevin's not dead is because he is meant to be Anthony's guardian. Oh, oh, yeah. Diana. I know, right? Because the other thing is, oh, as far as Diana. we know, Kevin doesn't have any siblings. It's so much dumber than that. Of course it is, but it has, it's something like that, isn't it? Oh, I wish, I wish it were that. That's a great story point. Oh, gosh. You're just going to have to wait. I'm pretty sure that one gets revealed in the next episode. I don't know, but that's interesting. Kevin, as far as we know, Kevin's an only child. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So like, this sucks. Tabitha freaks out. Tabitha's freaking out. She goes, oh my God, Jughead, and runs off. Mm -hmm. And Which I appreciate. And so then Heather, with all her wisdom, I know someone who can help us. A necromancer, far beyond my abilities. I'm like, who? Her name is Sabrina. Riverdale. Because we have to. This is so fucking stupid. (laughs) So fucking stupid. (laughs) Like, what even? What even? Because we got to shoehorn it all back around. Look, we went on this seven season journey with these two spinoffs that didn't really do anything. So now they're going to tie all of those loose ends back together. I don't. I don't. (laughs) Just. It's so funny having seen all of these episodes and you haven't and being like, huh, huh, okay, all right. That's rare. That's rare, but it's also kind of fun because I'm I'm so, I tend to be pretty good with figuring out what's going to happen or coming up with a way that they could have fixed something that's really fucking stupid. I love your theories. I also need you to think way, way dumber. No, I refuse to dumb (laughs) myself down for this network. I refuse. Oh, man. I am now eagerly awaiting how you react to these final episodes of this season. Okay. <laughs> and because we're catching up, we're not going to do next time on. It's really not worth it. No, because we're going to be putting these out relatively close together. All of them are posted and up. So <laughs> So until next time, hashtag Bulldogs, Bulldogs Forever. forever.
listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.